This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 86 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share the best horsemanship advice we ever got. Tigapedia, we focus on salves and treatments for scrapes and cuts. In Critter Nutrition, we look at the USEF ban of CBD. And in Coffee Clutch, we tackle the question, are we treating our dogs like humans instead of as dogs? Listen in. So what's everybody been up to since the last Healthy Critters? <laughs> <laughs> Solving the world's problems? No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went to Land Rover. Ah. Since ah, last. Yeah. That was the, great. Yes. The, the event formerly known as Rolex in Lexington, Kentucky. It will always be Rover. Rolex to me. I know. Mm. To everybody. Yeah. I try, I, try, I try not to do that because, you know. Good on Land Rover for stepping in and taking it on. Yes, absolutely. And this year at Land Rover, I don't know if you followed it at all. They had lots and lots of live streaming going on, which was awesome. But Land Rover has had the test drive track there for years where you could get in a Land Rover and they had this really cool little bumpy, lumpy track that you get to drive around across the sides of the hills and over this cool ramp and through the water in the Land Rovers. And they have one for regular drivers and then they have a separate track for youth you have to be i think age 14 but you don't have to have a driver's license yet and they get to do it which is really fun and then they had a third one for eeny beeny little kids with teensy weensy itsy bitsy little ones that are like barbie sized but they were land rovers oh my gosh wow the the land rover employees who were manning that particular track looked really really stressed Because those oh, little seven-year-olds would hop in those things and just floor it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they had to walk beside the little Barbie car. That was how it worked. Oh, you know, the little kid would get in and they would walk. Right. The little kid would drive it around the track all by himself, but they had to walk next to it. So, of course, the kid slams on the, the gas pedal because the guy's running beside him. And it's like 90 degrees in Kentucky. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that was pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. If you didn't, mm-hmm. as if you needed another reason to go to the event formerly known as Rolex. Have you guys ever gone to that one? I've never gone. Uh, I did. I went uh, a couple of years, starting yeah. with the '78 World Championships. Oh, that was when it was still a small boutique event. Yes. <laughs> wow. Small boutique event. Now, you know, now it's a you know hundred thousand people extravaganza yeah. with acres yeah, and acres I, of shopping. Yeah, I know people that always go every year that are dressage people that go every year because they love the shopping. And I, I've never been. Tigger, did you event? I did. I did not know that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So part of the deal, of course, as you mentioned, Patty, is the shopping. And I always have a shopping strategy when I go to <clears throat> Kentucky because it's acres and acres and acres of it. They're just zillions and zillions of vendors so i always go into the website and they have the interactive list of vendors and i pre-shop everybody i go to their website and see what they have and see if they have any specials at the show and it's all very scientific and i know a lot of the big dressage shows have 
ginormous shopping, don't they, Patty? Yeah, dressage at Devon. They, yeah, dressage at Devon is great. But it, from what I've been told, because I've got, I've got a smaller. Yeah, last year it was not small. I thought it was pretty big last year, and they were getting more inventive, like not inventive, but they were branching out. What I kind of think is neat is, and it makes a lot of sense if you think about it, because the show's in the middle of this city block, and um, but they have more local businesses there, like a local jeweler or a local artist or something like that. Because if there are people coming that just come to the horse show, you know, the vendors aren't really selling to those people. So not, this way, they're kind of appealing to different, you know, people that are in the crowd that aren't necessarily horse people, but that love horses. But um, but from what I have been told, I've got some hardcore dressage people that go to Devon. They go to Rolex. You know, they like to go down to Wellington. And they said Rolex is the best shopping. Really? Or, excuse me. Yeah, Land Rover. Yeah. Land Rover? That's right. Yeah. yeah that, they said it's best shopping. With the exception of WEF. Now, I don't know if they've been to WEF. Because WEF has the most incredible shopping. So, you mean like on the sh- on the jumper on show the grounds? Yeah. yeah. So I, to- having not attended WEF, I went to WEF once for about four hours. I I had the, I made a delivery, and I as soon as I made the delivery, I turned around and got the heck out of there because it was like, oh my god, this is crazy. So, mm-hmm. kind of paint a picture of the shopping venue at WEF for me, Tigger. Well, it depends on the show. There's there's a a whole vendor area of the permanent vendors, the trailers and the permanent tents and then there are these roving depending on if it's a nation's cup or how big the jumper class is that week and there'll be vendors that'll just come in for that week Hmm. and and really cool little companies that are trying to kind of break into the equestrian market with something unique like one year I bought a pair of sandals from this little company that made it out of like bridal leather huh oh. well, it's really cool yeah. um Hermes is there it's worth just walking in and going uh-huh yeah. this is too <laughs> much for me yeah and, um, and, and I'd pay that to put that on my horse why but what I like a lot of times I I like the aesthetic of how something is set up you know you get ideas about colors and and a lot of new things uh, I think Animo Britches really got a big head start five or six or seven years ago by being at WEF. Nobody had ever heard of this Italian mm-hmm. company called Animo. And so you can see a lot of new things at at WEF, but they may only be there that week and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. Know, so they're Interesting. So it's not so it's not like it's the same one hundred and thirty five vendors for the run of the thing. It, it they no. come and go and rotate in yep. and out. But there's a big I mean obviously there's a big permanent area where, and they're there all season. You yeah, know, all the big tax stores and and these, yeah, God, they're amazing. And and some of the, you know, fashion clothing companies are there because people are looking for. Oh my God, I've got to go out to dinner. Yeah, yeah, and I you're basically some- living there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when somebody goes to WEF as a spectator, what would you? How? What strategy should they use? Should they go around and look at everything first and then purchase things? Should they have mm-hmm. a shopping list? Should you just go and what what's what's the strategy? Because I know for Land Rover, because it's so big, you kind of have to have a strategy. I am a strategy free person, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't look at who the vendors are. I like to wander, and I like to wander over and say, "Oh, that's kind of cool." And if I like it and I can afford it, I'll buy it or I need it. 
or otherwise I'll just keep moving. So I don't have a plan. I don't know who the vendors are from year to year. And I would be that way at Rolex. I would just, I, I, I used to go to Spruce Meadows. I used to have a booth at Spruce Meadows, not when I was with Biostar, but when I was with its previous incarnation, Equigenesis. Mm-hmm. And so I did Spruce Meadows and that's a huge, gigantic vendor fair. And when I'd get a break in my booth, I'd go just wander around. I'm a wanderer. Ah. I'm, I'm not precise at all. So you like to just go and discover. Exactly. It's an mm. adventure. How, do, you have a, do, you have, do you ever strategize when you go uh, to the big shows, Patty? I mean, you know, it's funny. Uh, years ago, I just, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, you know, the, the one year that I was in Florida, I was totally into silver bracelets. And I would just go and I would look at all the different vendors had silver bracelets and I wanted it to have something like, you know, horse wise on it. So that was like a thing. But, you know, I, I'm not as big a shopper, not that I was ever a really big shopper um, anymore. I just, you know, <laughs> you know, moving stuff around when you have it for 30 some years. Like I just, I've been going through some trunks of stuff. I'm like, I cannot believe I still have this bridle. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, and um, yeah. And it's, it's, so I don't know. I, 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 you know, even when we went to Devon last year, I, I like to do a little bit of my Christmas shopping there. You know, I, I have a, an idea in mind, but I'm probably a little bit more like Tigger. I mean, I always try to go into like the horse, of course, when I'm there, because I, of course, we love Beth and Morty, and yes, um, and she always has great stuff, and she'll always look at me and go, "Oh my gosh, do I have the britches for you?" And you just know that it's going to work out fine, and she's right. So there's that, but yeah, um, not so much. And I, you know, yeah, so not really. I'm actually trying to get better about just buying stuff for no reason because there's yeah, I love it when you go and you're like, "Oh my gosh, what is this?" And it's still in a package. So I'm trying to get away from waste because I really don't need anything. I want a lot, but I don't need anything. So my sister has a very good strategy. What's which that? I am adopting. Well, it's, it has to do with clothing. And actually, I'm feeling much better about myself since I watched a thing with, uh, oh, what's her name? The singer from Canada in Vegas. Oh. oh, Celine Dion? Yes. She was with James Corbin doing karaoke and car karaoke in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And he announced to the world that he had found out from her assistants that she really loves shoes. She loves shoes so much. She has 10,000 pairs. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So that really, really made me feel good about myself. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I do love shoes. So my, what my sister does is if she's going to buy a new whatever it is, it can be a turtleneck. It can be a skirt. It can be oh, whatever. Wow. She pulls something out of the closet. That then goes to Salvation Army. Oh, yeah. yeah, you have to keep the balance. If you get something, you mm-hmm. gotta get rid of something. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, it's funny because I might I have had a rule for the last five years, which is if I don't even think about something for a year, I don't need it. So I, I'll I'll just get rid of it, which is great because then it makes room for new stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> that you do think about. Um, Yes, that I do think about. Because I definitely have certain things. I mean, I don't really go out that much. <laughs> so, I mean, when I do go out, I'm always wearing britches. So, yeah. I d- but that's a great that's a great thing, Tigger, that your sister does because it's sort of... You know what it is? It's easy. Yes, it is easy. It's and, pain-free. And, it's, and it makes you feel good. Like, decluttering is yeah. a great thing. Great thing. There you go. So, uh, we want to hear about your shopping strategies. Maybe mm-hmm. we haven't yes. thought of something. Yeah. 
And let us know if there's anything that we all need to buy. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I just said all that other stuff. So, yeah. Well, you have other things to get rid of. (laughs) I'm still working on it. So let us know on HealthyCrittersRadio.com. There you go. And speaking of advice, that's your cue, Tigger. to horsemanship. (laughs) It's an interesting seg, but we've made the leap. There we go. We're going to start with Tigger today. What was the best horsemanship advice you ever got? I have to start with two. My first riding teacher was named Sis Kelsey in Greenwich, Connecticut. Mm. And we were riding ponies, of course. I was seven, maybe. And she had set up a little course. And we I jumped over this little X. And it was more of a plop over a little X. Mm-hmm. And then there was a little vertical. And I think the pony stopped. And she said... She called me Little Montague. <laughs> little Montague. Send your heart over the fence and your Aww. pony will follow. And you know what? It worked. Oh, that's cute. So as I come to a fence, I'd think about sending my heart over it and then jumping after. Oh, that's it. really cute. I am writing that down. It's, it's the new best advice, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well... It was from Little Montague, who's now a bigger Montague, so it's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not that new. <laughs> God rest, sis, sis Kelsey. They don't make them like that anymore. Oh, yeah. And the other one was not given to me directly by the person who actually created it, but it was given to me by a friend who gave it to me. And it's actually from Ray Hunt, the horsemanship master recognize the smallest change and the slightest try. Oh, wow. Yeah, there you go. And I, I think the, for me at least, I've heard similar iterations mm-hmm. from that same source. It's been paraphrased many times. I think so many of us put the important, put the importance on the wrong word. Because for, mm-hmm. for me, because I heard this years ago and many times, recognize was the part I was missing. Because I'm yeah. going, well, I did. That was a small try. I wasn't focusing on the recognize. I mm-hmm. thought I was paying attention and recognized the smallest because I was looking for what I thought were small things. When in fact, I was so busy trying to recognize looking the change. Looking for the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I, I, I wasn't seeing the tree for the forest. Mm-hmm. So for me, and that was a very recent revelation, it was the whole recognize part of that deal. So that's a really good one. Everybody should have that on a t-shirt or written yeah. inside our tech truck. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good Posted one. Posted in the barn. Yep. How about How you, about, Pappy? Yes. I was writing that down, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine aren't as, like, wonderful. Like, the, the first thing that I thought of when I, I saw that this is what we were going to do was uh, Mr. J., at Winnie Stables in um, Mount Laurel, New Jersey. And the best advice that he ever gave me was, look up. No, really look up. That jump is coming at you. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah, and it's always been my, like, I don't care... I don't care what's going on whenever I have ever had a rider. And it's it literally is so 
instinctual at this point, but if something's going wrong, I just scream, look up, look up, look up, look up, look up. And it's like, if the horse is bucking, it's going to be naughty. Look up, you know, look where yeah. you're, you know, <laughs> so doesn't matter always, what's going wrong. Looking up is always the just right answer. Look up. Cause you, yeah. yeah Cause you could be heading towards something. Mm-hmm. There you go. So that's like one it. of my biggest. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, I like it. But along the lines of what you were, what you guys were saying is something that I, um, and this has just been an evolution in my writing and teaching that, cause I'm have always, you know, I've had many people always say, you know, no matter what goes on, you got to be kind to the horse. You got to be kind to the horse because you know what? And I read this recently and I thought this was so interesting. I, I want to say it was maybe Shelly Francis, who I really admire. And she was saying that she was trying to get through something very difficult. And I don't know if it was Rabine or whoever she was studying with. And they just said, listen, you've got to understand that most of the time, most often of the time, the horse is not trying to do the wrong thing. It's that your reactions or your recognition aren't correct. And that has been very empowering to me thinking about that type of a thing. It's just along the lines of what you were saying, Tigger, just that little thing and recognizing it. But I always say to my, Riders, the sometimes the softest aid spoken is the loudest heard. Ooh, Ooh yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Gosh, all these things to put on plaques. I know. Like those are. And that's about, like a whole leg full yours? of tattoos right there. <laughs> There's so many. I'm trying to narrow it down. Many many moons ago, I was at a clinic with, I believe it was Torrance Watkins. I'm dating myself. Oh my gosh, Torrance Watkins. Yes. On the paint. Yeah. Yes, on Poltroon. Yeah, Poltroon. Mm -hmm. One of my heroes. And I thought I I was pretty hot stuff at that time. I was an obnoxious, eventing teenager. Mm -hmm. And I was whining about my horse pulling on me and what bit I should be using cross-country. And she looked at me, knowing that I was an obnoxious teenager, and said... It doesn't matter what bit you use. He can only pull on you if you pull back. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! It's like, thank you very much. And um, I'm sure she was like, mic drop and peace out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I, need, I needed that back in the day because I was a pretty obnoxious mm-hmm. little teenager. So that kind of was, I think that was a light bulb moment for me that there was a universe outside of what I knew because I kind of thought I knew a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, Golly, I guess there's more to this than being hang a, on and kick. Yeah, because I was very <laughs> yeah. much the hot and heavy run, you know, run fast, jump high, fall hard eventer. You just got on the horse and you kicked and you went and you know, not yeah. a lot of finesse there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that was I've I've remembered it all these years. So it must have been a real light bulb moment for me that other things got built upon ever since then. Um, a more recent one is I, I help Shauna Karish do the Clicker Training 101 podcast. I produce that for her, so I get to listen to it in my head. And she talks a lot about threshold, where you want to keep the horse's psyche and his adrenaline within a certain level so that he is best capable of learning. And that goes for learning for any mammal. Their adrenaline goes too high, they're not learning. They're, they go into yeah. flight reflex, right? Or fight mm-hmm. reflex, depending on what it is. Um, and she talks about staying within threshold a lot so that the horse can be learning. And after about the third or fourth episode of hearing that word a lot in my head, it finally dawned on me that that applies to 
everything you're doing with the horse. It doesn't matter if you've ever picked up a clicker or if you don't believe in giving your horse treats. It doesn't matter. He has to be within a certain frame of mind in order to be learning. And it's my job as the human to make sure he stays there by not pushing him past that threshold. This also goes true for husbands and boyfriends. (gasps) You are so right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are so, yes, yes. Yes. Learning mammals. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's a, that's a gal with some experience right there that just said that. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So husbands, horses. So as, as the, the human being in the, in the, deal there it's my job to make sure my horse can learn by keeping in the, within that and going back to that recognition word again recognizing if i've gone past it and it's mm-hmm. my responsibility and it's not his fault that he right picked up the wrong lead i pushed him past his threshold and he got a little panicky and ran into that canter transition and got the wrong lead because I pushed him past his threshold. I didn't set him up properly, let him work it out, and then get it right, right? Yes. And that's a more recent revelation for me, yeah. That's a very cool revelation. It's a great one. I, I, it's, a, it's such a good one. I just got back from doing a clinic, and one of the things that I, um, I, I, I'm beginning to realize as a theme for me is sort of, what stemmed from that article that I was telling you about, but just, you know, always making sure that, you know, that people, that, that you are being kind, you can't, you know, one of the, one of my pet peeves is don't ever come in my ring and say, well, he just did this. Cause I, I mean, that is where who I am infinitely patient, but if you start blaming a horse for, I mean, and sometimes it's just seriously, it's not good riding. Right. And that's why they're there, which is great, but it's just, that's a hard, um, that's a hard thing for me to be patient about. Um, but I try, but you know, it, it's just, um, it, it, it you can't, I, this is what I always tell my people that, cause I have some people that come in and they just like, they walk one lap, they trot two laps and they just canter. And then they're like, okay, I'm warmed up. I'm like, okay. So tomorrow when we start, how about you start at seven o'clock? I do not want you to get up or have coffee or do anything. And I want you to get right out of bed, get on that horse and perform that leg yield that you were just making that horse do that quickly. You know, you've got to step back and look at the whole thing. Like it just have to recognize that just because your desire to do that in that moment doesn't mean you've set it up correctly. Yes. And that plays right into another slightly less recent one. And this was derived from listening to lots and lots and lots of horsemen from lots and lots of different backgrounds. And it was a little bit of a self-discovery thing is toss your agenda out the door. That's a good one. I find I'm a That much, is a good one. I'm a better horseman when I toss my agenda out the door. I'm not going to say better rider because but, rider's but, only but, part but, of but it. But I, I'm, I, I'm going to stop you there because good horsemen – whether they are talented or not talented are better riders hands down because I'll take a good horseman over a talented rider good that point. doesn't have horsemanship skills You're at all. Right. I mean, absolutely. I've seen so many people with less ability that have the heart to do it the right way. And yeah. that's something that I, you know, as a teacher and a rider and a trainer have evolved. It's, it's such a great place for me to be at this point in my life because there's a lot of stuff I was saying to somebody recently my daughter, who is also a rider, is 25 years old, and a lot of the things that she does, she's very systematic and whatever, but there are things that I did 20 years ago that were really important to me that I thought were a really big deal, like these little systems and how I did it, and I combed the mane this way, and I did this, and you know, it is so funny because I look at it 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just not important. I don't even care about those things anymore. You know, there's certain things that I keep. So as you mature as a horseman, I mean, I am so grateful that I am so aware that I know so little <laughs> um, because that is always striving me to listen and to listen to everybody. I mean, some of the best advice I've gotten are from layman people standing on the side or some cowboy with a hat tip down, you know. Yeah, they're um, looking at it at very different eyes. Yes, you're yeah. right. And Absolutely. if you just, you know, ego needs to be step aside and, and learning needs to be the precedence. And so kind of cool. Yeah. Good conversation. Good conversation. Dang, mm-hmm. we're so smart. We, we're getting there, aren't we? <laughs> Well, I, I, that's a lovely conversation, and we would love to hear about your best horsemanship advice ever. And where can people tell us about that, Tigger? HealthyCrittersRadio.com or on Facebook, Healthy Critters Radio. That's it. There and I think, it, I think it's time right now for the Talking Pomeranian. I think for some advice. Yes, it, it's, it's time we bring Hedwig into this. There we go. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hello. Hetty. Hi, Hetty. Hello, Sigle and Patsy. Well, sit down. Not Glenn. Please don't let it be Glenn. <laughs> no, Glenn. Oh, Glenn is not here, Lord. I assure you. You're fine. It's okay. I have had quite a week, and the thought of Glenn already just making another week crowd was so much for my soul. <laughs> This is what I'm saying. It's only Tuesday, and I've already had an exhaustingly exhausting week. It sounds like it. It sounds like you're you're out on a hunt with your pack. Yes, me and my pack are hunting. You know what we're hunting? What? Cheese. 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 That was the, I set you set me up for that. Kedar. And you give Kedar fish. So we have a question for you, Hetty. Yes, I have answers. You know I do. I I know, but we were looking for suggestions from you for good reading material for canines and their servants this summer. Okay, I need a little bit of help on this one because in the past you have asked me about entertainment and I have flummoxed you. So if you could just give me a genre, that might be helpful. Summer reading, light. Yeah, light. Summer. Oh, yes, reading. I like that. Light, light summer reading. Yes. Okay. Um. So in the fantasy genre, there are the Dresden Files. Excellent books. Very entertaining. Yes. Jim Butcher wrote them, and also they are on books on tape. You can listen to them in your car when you're driving for seven hours. They are by James Marsters. He reads them. Yes, he was. Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, an excellent show, which you shall go watch because you're probably culturally illiterate. Now, <laughs> moving on to other genres, mystery novels. Have you read these crazy job books? Those are quite excellent, quite entertaining, and the one with this release, excellent. Although, intrigue World War II, but moving on from there, a little depressing, but realistic and familiar. <laughs> Let's see. Spy novels, Jean Le Carré, of course, is very traditional spy master. 
certainly well worth reading the spy who came from the cold. Because it will be warm, see, Jack? Summer. Oh, I suppose you could read Game of Thrones if you had seven or eight thousand years. <laughs> to, um, reading long books that would have been better if they'd been edited by someone who wasn't the guy who wrote them. But, you know, oh, oh, I know. Wonderful series by Sebastian de Castell. Yes, you should read those immediately. Wow, were those amazing. Go do it right now. And then I shall finish with the Catherine Arden trilogy that starts with the bear and the nightingale. Wow. Unputdownable. Unputdownable. <laughs> Unputdownable. That's quite a word. Yeah, that's quite a word. Yeah, that's that's some kind of a recommendation, Hedwig. Well, thank you very much. That's enough reading to keep me busy for the next ten summers, and I Agreed. appreciate it. Well, I'm here to help. You know. <laughs> yes, you are, Hedwig. Thanks a bunch, and you have a great afternoon. Well, thank you so much. You too. We are now at the Tigapedia portion of our show, and I thought because it's spring and all sorts of things happen in the spring with our horses and our dogs, Tigger, what would be good suggestion for natural remedies for like cuts and scrapes on your dogs and horses or cats for that matter? One of my foundation potions <laughs> in the medicine cabinet is colloidal silver. Oh, yeah. Okay. Colloidal silver is a, a natural antibiotic because silver has antimicrobial properties, which is why our great grandparents, when they were, you know, crossing the, the country in covered wagons, perishable things were carried in silver, silver oh. pitchers. It kept the water good. So, in fact, on NASA flights, it, it, when, when they go to space, Everything, the knobs and everything are silver. Didn't know that. So colloidal silver is silver that is suspended as a colloidal in, in a liquid. And I, I've had just amazing success internally taking it, using it internally, using it externally for, I could write a book, a thousand one uses for yep. colloidal silver. This could be a new one, Tig. This could be, yes, could go along the with companion. the coconut oil. It's the mm-hmm. companion to uh, coconut oil. It's going to be a series oil. of five <laughs> books when it's finished. <laughs> and of course, it's always good to have, you know, hydrogen peroxide, betadine, those, those things around to you know, clean out a, a bad cut or, or a, a deep wound. The other thing I really like is Biostar's Tremera Poultice. Now, it's not something you would use on a really deep wound where you would, you know, probably need stitches. But it's great around the edge of the wound because you know how things start swelling. Mm. even with, And with just an abrasion cut, it's awesome. It has colloidal silver in it. And the clays, you know, pull out toxins. So poultice, you know, as an ancient way of dealing with cuts and bruises. And and that's what I love about that Tremera poultice. It's how got do you spell that, Tigger? T as in Tom, R as in Robert, A as in Apple, U as in Umbrella, M as in Mary, 
E is in Edward, R is in Robert, A is in Apple. Gotcha. As in trauma. Trauma. Gotcha. I don't want to tell you how I spelled it, so <laughs> it was not that. I think I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are things that you can I, – I have a lot of comfrey in my garden. Comfrey is one of those things, one plant that you start and then it just keeps growing. And you have many comfrey plants the next year and then you can start moving them around. But comfrey leaves are great to put on a cut, an abrasion, a wound, to take some aloe – if you have an aloe plant, every house should have one. That's great for dog paws and things. Mm. Comfrey, will, is, it will pull. It's, it's also known as bone set. So there are lots of things that, you, that we have around. You don't need, a, in my opinion, a, a medicine cabinet full of pharmaceuticals. Right. Well, and also, um, you do use Manuka honey, correct? I do use Manuka honey. It depends on if I have an open wound. And I, I will put Manuka honey in there because it's antibacterial. I'll put colloidal silver and Manuka in there. It, it really helps the wound heal from within. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's um, not good to give to dogs because they just lick it off. <laughs> good point. Unless you've got it on a place that they can't lick. Yeah. On horses, they don't they don't tend to lick it much. I did have a horse that licked it off a foot, which was interesting. Oh wow years ago. And so my other question is Arnica. Do you use Arnica? I use Arnica homeopathically, the little homeopathic tablets. Okay. I'm dealing with uh, muscle soreness. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I've used Arnica gel on horses, Mm -hmm. on joints and muscles. I've never used it on a dog, but that's not to say that I wouldn't. Right. Okay. Cool. Those are, those are Arnica for wounds. Right. Okay. Cause it's just more bruising. Yeah. And uh, soreness. Well, cool. Those are some pretty some pretty cool things to have, and and it's great because it's not like you have to worry about. Well, can I use this drug with this drug? I mean, right. all of these exactly. are are very safe and interchangeable. And if your horse get has to have stitches, and of course they'll be on a course of antibiotics, but you can put the Tremera poultice around the stitch oh, to cool. keep okay. the swelling down. Yeah, it's great to have on hand. Yeah, that's and you can good. use it on yourself for bug bites, tick uh, bites. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, cool. So I got I've got an important question here. Your average everyday, your horse gets bit in the butt by his pasture mate. You can just Ouch. slather a fingerful of Trumera Trumera on, on it. There. Yep, just mm-hmm. I like and it. it will just dry. Right. But the, the thing I like about that is we're in Florida where it's super duper hot. Everything melts. <laughs> What's the yeah, point? Yeah, this won't melt. It won't melt, but it also has antibacterial properties because it you does. want to put something on there antibacterial and the bugs are not going to bother it because it's covered with dirt, which is exactly what the horse wants to cover it with anyway. Right. Correct. I love it. <laughs> We've made Jen happy. You have, and I should have, I see, I'm, we should have had this conversation Last week, because I had to reorder um, Glory's canine Theracalm. She lives on Theracalm, especially during storm season. Yeah, and I could have got the poultice at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Good thing you know the person that knows where the, to get that. So yeah. you probably could get yourself hooked yeah, up. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have an inside track on that. You do have an inside track. <laughs> 
Well, that is, that's so cool. And, you know, and any, if any of our listeners have any other ideas, please let us know on Healthy Critters Radio on Facebook, um, because we would love to hear about it. Because these are, these are, it's always great. You never can get enough good remedies for making your horse and your dogs and your cats and your rabbits and whatever else you got. Your alpacas. Yeah. Your alpacas. Now we're at Critter Nutrition, and I'm going to talk about the United States Equestrian Federation and the CBD ban. Recently, the United States Equestrian Federation, USEF, announced that as of September 1, 2019, USEF prohibits CBD and all related cannabinoids. For context, note that CBD, or cannabidiol, is only one of 113 cannabinoid molecules that scientists have identified. Some researchers estimate there could be 100 more cannabinoids not yet discovered. USEF goes on to say that, quote, horses competing under USEF rules who test positive for natural cannabinoids, synthetic cannabinoids, and other cannabimetics will be considered in violation of GR4, the Drugs and Medications chapter of the USEF rulebook, end quote. After the press release was issued, my phone blew up almost immediately with emails and texts from owners and riders concerned about hemp products. What concerns me are some of USEF's blanket statements using very general terms like cannabinoids and other cannabimimetics. Reading this press release, I'm not sure USEF really understands the body's natural endocannabinoid system. We'll get into that later. First, let's start with what hemp really is. Hemp seed oil versus hemp oil, what's the difference? Hemp seeds do not contain cannabidiol, CBD. Naturally, therefore, oils pressed from hemp seeds like Biostar's Empower do not contain CBD. Hemp oil, on the other hand, can be pressed from seeds, stems, leaves, and flowers from the whole plant, which means that small, even trace amounts of CBD could be present. For now, if you are going to be competing in USEF competitions, make sure the oil you give your horse is hemp seed oil, not hemp oil. Hemp protein versus hemp CBD protein. By itself, hemp protein does not contain CBD. However, be aware that there are hemp CBD protein supplements for humans where CBD has been added to a hemp protein base. What about hemp fines? These are the crack shells and nuts of the hemp seed after oil extraction. This material is high in fiber and protein, but contains no CBD. What is hemp biomass? This is the remainder of the hemp plant after CBD extraction. Depending on the extraction process, the hemp biomass contains 10 to 12% CBD, as well as protein fiber at a small amount of fat, including the essential fatty acids. Hemp biomass contains CBD. Understanding the Biological Endocannabinoid System It is estimated that the endocannabinoid system, endo meaning within the body, developed in vertebrates 600 million years ago. Its function is to regulate homeostasis in the body. All mammals, including humans and horses, have an endocannabinoid system. Mammalian bodies make cannabinoids, known as endogenous cannabinoids, that fit into specific receptors, CB1 and CB2, located in the brain, in the GI tract, in macrophages, in other immune cells, and in the liver. 
Research has identified that there is a signaling that takes place between plant-produced cannabinoids, known as phytocannabinoids, and our animal receptor sites. What this means is that mammalian bodies have evolved to use not just our own endogenous cannabinoids, but those from outside as well, such as the cannabinoids found in plants. How CBD works. CBD stimulates the endocannabinoid system, promoting homeostasis. Our endocannabinoid system regulates body temperature, for instance, when we get too cold or too hot. It also regulates metabolism. The endocannabinoid system is a crucial molecular system for health and well-being. Unlike psychoactive THC, which can fit into the endocannabinoid receptors of the brain, CBD inhibits metabolic enzymes such as FAAH that break down the endogenous cannabinoids thereby keeping endogenous cannabinoid cannabinoid levels elevated in the body, helping to regulate homeostasis. By the way, ibuprofen is also an FAH inhibitor, unlike any other NSAID. However, like other NSAIDs, ibuprofen has a tendency to produce serious gastrointestinal and renal damage. Pharmaceutical companies are working on future drugs that will simultaneously block FAAH and the COX enzyme, for synergistic analgesic responses and reduction in NSAID-induced GI damage. In this light, and with these goals in mind, it would appear that pharmaceutical CBD is just around the corner. Cannabinoids and cannabimimetics. As mentioned above, the recent USEF press release includes this statement, quote, Horses competing under USEF rules who test positive for natural cannabinoids, synthetic cannabinoids, and other cannabimimetics will be considered in violation of GR4 beginning September 1, 2019, end quote. The concerning part is that cannabinoids, including CBD, are actually a very diverse, diverse group of chemical compounds that can be found all around us. One example of a non-CBD cannabinoid is BCP, beta-caryophyllene. BCP is a natural component of black pepper, carrots, hops, rosemary, basil, oregano, cinnamon, cloves, and hemp. BCP has already been approved as a food additive by the FDA. However, Because it activates the body's endocannabinoid system by binding to the CB2 receptor, it was technically classified in 2008 as a dietary cannabinoid. So what about cannabimimetics? These are defined as phytochemicals and secondary metabolites that are able to interact with the endocannabinoid system by mimicking the biological activity of true cannabinoids. These compounds have been recently described in a broad range of plants and fruits, including echinacea, maca, cacao, omega-3 fatty acids. That's right. When our horses consume grass, flax, chia, canola, those omega-3 fatty acids can be converted into endocannabinoids, which makes these common horse foods cannabimimetic, substances that could easily violate the new USEF rules. What we don't know is how many foods and plants contain cannabinoids. Hard to say, especially when we don't even know how many cannabinoid compounds even exist in the plant world. Remember, CBD is only one of 113 that have been discovered so far, and researchers have estimated there could be 100 more. 
not to mention how many cannabimetic foods and plants are out there. These are the compounds that simply mimic actual cannabinoids by also interacting with the endocannabinoid system. Studies are ongoing, but the answer is anyone's guess. It is now well understood that the mammalian endocannabinoid system plays a crucial role in regulating homeostasis, which is essential to the health and well-being of any mammal. Not only does this system make its own endogenous cannabinoids, but can convert and use cannabinoids from plants and other foods. We also know that the USEF is not trying to ban flax and carrots as part of their ban on natural cannabinoids. I'm fairly certain that USEF just isn't yet aware of the absurd broadness of their cannabinoid and cannabimimetics ban, at least as it is worded in their recent press release. Of course, the USCF has as, as every right and plenty of leverage to ban the specific cannabinoid CBD if that move is necessary. But is it necessary? At least one major global authority on athletics and performance-enhancing drugs says it's not. In January 2018, the World Anti-Doping Agency removed CBD as a banned substance. Organizations that operate under the World Anti-Doping Agency policy include the International Olympic Committee, the International Paralympic Committee, all international federations, and over 200 other national-level anti-doping organizations. The World Anti-Doping Agency has determined that CBD does not have the potential to enhance sport performance, does not represent a health risk to the athletes, and does not violate the spirit of sport. There is no certainty on how long it takes for CBD to be fully metabolized and cleared from the system in horses. An ongoing study on CBD for arthritis and laminitics in horses has found that the half-life of CBD in horses is about eight hours. Three pending studies currently await funding, so for now it appears that a seven-day clearing time is optimal. Biostar introduced hemp seed oil to the equine industry in 2007. By 2008, we had introduced hemp protein and hemp fines to several of our newer formulas. Just last year, in 2018, Biostar launched Receptor EQ with CBD-containing organic hemp biomass. Prior to making Receptor EQ available to customers, I studied CBD carefully for two years, looking for the most reliable formulations. This meant, for example, avoiding all the CBD oils and isolates because concentrations and dosages varied widely from product to product. It was too unpredictable. We embrace the science of the entourage effect, which describes the synergistic effect of a plant's components when taken all together. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Unlike all the extracted oils and isolates on the market, hemp biomass provides this entourage effect, which we believe fits perfectly with Biostar's whole food ambitions. We fully accept the science behind the endocannabinoid system and its role in enhancing survival and life quality via homeostasis in mammals. Biostar didn't bring a CBD product to market because it was popular or a fad. We brought it to market because supporting homeostasis is crucial for health and well-being. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, 
and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And now we're at Coffee Clatch, and we have been inspired, or I should say I have been inspired, by an article I read this morning in the Washington Post. It was an opinion piece called How to Name Your Dog Without Offending Its Canine Sensibilities. And the subtitle is, Our Furry Friends Are Nothing Like Humans, Let's Stop Giving Them Human Names. It's written by Amy Fuselman, and you can find it. It came out today, so that's the Washington Post, May 21st, 2019. And her opening article is, I have some important dog information to share with you, and I know it is 100% true because my dog told it all to me. According to my dog, there is a problem between dogs and humans today, and the problem is this. Humans have forgotten what a dog is. So our topic in Coffee Clutch is, you know, is your dog a fur baby? Are we treating our dogs like humans rather than treating them as dogs? And I'm going to begin by saying I really don't like the name fur baby. I don't think of myself as a fur parent. (laughs) I think of them, dogs, as my friends. And they're my pack members, but they are not my children. And they are not my babies. And I don't name my dogs after any human names at all, which is when I read this article, I went, huh, that's interesting. Mm. I, I don't give my dogs, I may give them character names, but I don't give them, you know, Bella and Charlie, and I don't give them human names. I give my animals human names, but I don't think about it other than it's a name that I like. And sometimes I've made names up, <laughs> which I thought were awesome. And then, of course, years later, I'm going, whew, what was I thinking? But you know, I, I do think I get, I get so frustrated when I see people not letting a dog be a dog. Yeah. You know, I, I am certain I have said they are my babies. I am certain like, you know, but when I say that as a mother of three kids, I don't mean it in the same, they're definitely a part of my family. Absolutely. Positively. But I also think that I have, um, you know, anybody who knows me that's going to hear the statement, please don't roll over. <laughs> um, I think I have healthy boundaries <laughs> um, when it comes to, you know, where where my dogs, like wh- where they, you know, what their what their role is in, you know, the family. I'm not trying to make them into humans. They sometimes I prefer my dogs to humans. But yeah, it's 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 I find that I have zero tolerance for people that. You know, people that are putting them in purses and carrying them everywhere. Like, I'm not saying that I, I like am turned off by that. I'm just saying that I, I don't. You know, if it's a small enough dog, I guess it's carrying it in purses, like bringing it in a soft crate. But that's just not my gig. I mean, I, I want my dog to get its feet dirty and feel the earth and you know run through water. You know, and and I don't know. They, they, like you said, it's they're kind of part of the pack. You know. You know, there's something that this this opinion piece brought out that I thought was a really good reminder. Dogs don't see as well as we do. Oh, I their, their number one 
sensibility is scent. Okay. Interesting. I did yeah. not know that. No, they don't. There's colors they don't see. They sort of see everything in gray. So their eyesight isn't terribly acute, mm-hmm. but their smell scent. and their hearing, those are their acute senses. So as people who live with dogs, maybe we need to just be more clued in to their doggedness, which is scent and hearing. That is so interesting. I did not know that. Like, I knew they didn't see colors. I wouldn't have thought of it. Like, I've never really thought about that. That's interesting. But that does make, it makes a lot of sense. Boy, that's so, I just would never have thought that. And that's why dogs need to go and, you know, smell the dirt and smell the plants and get muddy feet. And as much as it's a pain to clean up after them in that regard, when they get all dirty and they're being them. Yeah, they're they're not people. They're, <laughs> and, they are not people. Oh, or how about this? Now that you've like you know when we've really talked about the scent, people that are constantly putting like perfume on their dogs. Oh. Can you imagine how much that screws with them? Well, how, and think how, of the shampoos. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they're oh, the dog. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not good for them. Oh yeah, person either. Right, that's exactly. true. <laughs> There's a yeah, balance to, in there. There's a healthy yeah. balance in there. Yeah, exactly. or the overly clean horse. Which we've talked about a lot, letting mm-hmm. the horses yeah. roll and yeah. and work on the microbiome of their their skin, and it's the same with dogs. I and, and I I feel very proud that I don't have overly clean any of those. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Jen! Way to go! It's very interesting. Our greyhound, who is now the blind greyhound, side of us, oh, kind of sad, but interesting. You talk about their primary sense being scent and hearing. A sight hound is probably a little bit more tuned into his vision than most other types of dogs. But she very much gets around now by what she feels under her paws. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she really can't see a darn thing. But she knows when she feels a certain piece of concrete that there's a stare in front of her. Wow. Now, we have concrete wow. all around our half. We have a sidewalk in the front. We have a concrete pad on the side. We have little those little concrete pavers on the back. She can tell the difference between the concrete paver and the concrete sidewalk on her paw. Wow. Because she knows that the concrete paver has a ramp and the concrete pad steps. It's amazing. Because she gets to that and she knows there's a step there. She goes and makes a big step all by herself. But... We know darn well she can't see a thing because she smashes right into walls. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's very interesting that you you just you talked and brought up the whole how their senses they are hardwired to use their senses differently than human uh-huh. beings are. Yeah, and you that's know? that's such a huge point to what yeah. Tigger is saying yeah. because that's the thing is when you humanize. I mean, it's even. I mean, we could go on to this with the horses too. Don't even get me started there. But um, you know, you can't. I mean, yes, they can be a part of your family, but you have to make them part of the, your family as a dog. You, not, yeah, yes. We have to work hard at being part of their pack. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It, it goes right both there. ways. Yeah. yeah. And I think we need to honor the dog. I yeah. mean, there is a there is a perception of the word dog like it's a lower being. Oh, it's just a dog. But, you know, the reverse spelling of dog is God. They are their That's own a good mastery. One, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that's so, that's so, so true. 
I like I like that and and honoring the dog as an individual. Yep. It's really easy, especially if you are passionate about a certain breed of dog. It's easy to overgeneralize in that it's dog type, dog A, B, or C. It should be A, B, or C. Maybe not. Maybe your golden retriever isn't a family-friendly, happy-go-lucky dog. Maybe he's a little bit outside the stereotype and he's a little bit more serious a dog that has some fear issues. So you need to honor that and help him make his life happy within those boundaries and treat him like an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes me think that with their, but that strong scent that maybe when I want one of my dogs to come, I should just put some a little bacon grease on my hands. I like so it behind it. your ears. Yeah, I like it. I think that's it. Yeah, that's good thinking there, Tig. It's a whole new training way. There was once clicker training. Now there's bacon grease training. Bacon yeah. training. Another yeah. book. Mm-hmm. This is the third volume uh, in the series. Yeah, I think Sabi would like that book. Yes, I like it a lot. Yeah, he would. So if if you uh, are like us and you really don't think of your dog as a, as a fur baby, let us know on HealthyCreatorsRadio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at BiostarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your Wookiee. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. <laughs> <laughs>